You're listening to a UCD Humanities Institute podcast. This podcast series features recordings of lectures, seminars and events hosted by or associated with the University College Dublin Humanities Institute. Our podcasts are available on Apple, Spotify and on SoundCloud. For more information and to listen to hundreds of podcasts, go to ucd.ie forward slash humanities. In this episode, a paper from Antiquity and the Anthropocene. This online workshop re-examined ancient perceptions of nature, power, and power over nature to better understand our current environmental crisis. The workshop, which was organised by Matthew Mandich and Giacomo Savani, took place on the 26th of February, 2021. This episode features a paper by Demetrios Papadopoulos from the University of Patras. His lecture, Wonder, Knowledge and Ignorance, Animal Nature and Empire, and Pliny the Elder and Elian was introduced by Patty Baker from Virginia Tech. Thank you for uh, inviting me to present this session. Um, the first paper uh, we'll present is by uh, Demetrius Papadopoulos. Demetrius is a doctoral research fellow at the Department of Philology at the University of Patras in Greece. He completed his BA and master's degree in classics in the same department, and his research interests include Greek and Roman literature of the imperial period, focusing on ancient zoology, ancient encyclopedism, and ancient bi um, biography. His current doctoral thesis is entitled The Zoology of Pliny the Elder and Claudius Elian, The Transmission and Organization of Zoological Knowledge in Natural History and on the Characteristics of Animals. It's funded by the C. Carathiadori Doctoral Scholarship, which is awarded by the University of Patras um, and the Research Committee. And he will speak to us today on wonder, knowledge, and ignorance, animal, nature, and empires in Pliny the Elder and Elian. And Demetrius, are you ready? Yes, yes. Thank you very much. Uh, I would like to thank uh, Dr. Savarni and Dr. Mandic for the chance they gave me to talk at this workshop. I would also like to thank uh, the University of Padres Research Committee for the funding of my research. Uh, my, uh, my paper will discuss the relationship between wonder and nature in Pliny the Elder, zoological books of Vithor Naturalis, and Claudius Ilians on the Hathrix of Animals. My aim is to compare the two imperial zoological miscellanies to each other in terms of how wonder informs uh, their view of animal nature in specific. I will discuss examples from the two texts where wonder is highlighted in connection with human knowledge and ignorance about nature. I will also focus on the cultural and intellectual background of both authors' notion of wonder, which was de developed in the Roman Empire. Specifically, I will discuss the role of knowledge about exotic animals in the Roman Empire about the wondrous material extracted from literature and about philosophical ideas on nature. Gonder concerns different aspects of animal nature in the two texts, such as their characteristics, their behavior, and their abilities. And Gonder is highlighted in both texts with the use of specific and synonymous terms, such as the adjectives Mirus, thaumastos, paradoxos, aporetos, and the phrases mirum est, thaumaston esti. For example, wonder is expressed 
for the character and the behavior of specific exotic animals, which became accessible and known to the Romans due to the expansion of the Roman Empire, as these animals were presented in spectacles in Rome. In this context, both authors mention examples which show the familiarity of their Roman audience with exotic animals. Uh, for example, as you can see in this uh, slide, Pliny states in chapter 8.71 that a rhinoceros, which had a horn on, on its nose, was presented in the game organized by Pompey, and he adds that the appearance of this rhinoceros was similar with the appearance of the animal which has been often been seen in Rome. Ilian, in turn, in uh, chapter 17.44, declares that a description of the appearance of the rhinoceros would be an old-fashioned topic because, as he claims, there are many Greek and Roman readers who know it from having seen it. In these cases, we see that Rome and the Roman Empire made uh, be uh, accessible these, uh, these exotic animals to the, to the Roman audience. The elephant is the most vivid example of an exotic animal whose behavior and character is described as gondrous in both texts. Gonder about uh, the elephant character and behavior is expressed when the two authors make comparison between the animal's characteristics and those of humans. For instance, Pliny claims in chapter 8.12 that the elephant has a remarkable sense of shame, and when defeated, it flees uh, the voice of the victor and offers him earth and foliage. The elephant's character is described in this case in anthropomorphic terms by identifying the human trait of shame in the animal. The comparison of the two species is then the source of wonder caused by their unexpected similarity. Uh, Ilian, in turn, presents as wondrous the elephant's attraction to music. He notes in chapter uh, 2.11 that it is an astonishing fact that the elephant an inarticulate animal should comprehend rhythm and melody, should follow the movements of a tragic dance without a false step, fulfilling all that its lessons required of it. Ilian expresses his astonishment in this case for the elephant's ability to understand sound, as he is influenced by the mainly stoic idea that the animals lack logical abilities and that the humans are logical entities. In this context, he claims before the statement that the fact that some people like Damon, Spintharus, Aristoxenus, and Philoxenus are capable, uh, are experts at music is a matter of wonder, but by no means incredible, because the reason for it is that man is a rational animal capable of understanding a logical thought. Then he compares the logical humans with the elephants, which lack the ability to express their feeling clearly with words, as the terms inarticulate denotes. Thus, wonder stems in this case from Ilian's identification that a part of logic trait can be found in a non-logical animal. 
in both works, Wonder results from four similar cognitive mechanisms. First, Wonder expresses what is beyond the author's or human's cognitive grasp. As I will discuss later, Wonder's events are usually described through a direct comparison with known facts. The result is that phenomena are designated as wondrous when they deviate from the phenomena which usually happen in nature. Secondly, wonder about the animals is an emotional response to the strange or paradoxical content of wondrous stories presented by both texts. For instance, this aspect of wonder is promoted through the use of uh, specific phrases, such as the phrase mirum dictu in, in Pliny, it is strange to say, and it deserves admiration, action thaumase, three and th ten times respectively. These phrases are used by the two authors as a comment or a hint to their readers. They have an, these phrases have an emotional connotation as they denote the need to express astonishment. For example, as we can see in this text, Pliny describes the bear's hibernation in chapter 8.128, and he suggests that the bear's flesh grows during this period. Then he presents Theophrastus' opinion that the bold bear's meat also grows in size in the winter if preserved. Pliny underlines that astonishment is an appropriate response to this story with the phrase. It is, it is strange to say, mirum dictu, which comments on the paradoxical opinion of Theophrastus. Similarly, Ilian informs in uh, the chapter 17.17, as you can see in this slide, his uh, reader uh, informs his reader about a strange opinion concerning mice with the phrase, it deserves admiration, action thathmasa. This opinion is that if a pregnant, pregnant rat is caught and the fetus is removed, then after the dissection of the female, the fetus in turn is opened, is too, is found to contain a young rat. Thirdly, wondrous phenomena are presented in specific chapters as the creations of nature, and consequently they are viewed as facts with a natural origin. A famous example in Pliny is his declaration in chapter 77.32 that clever nature creates the strange human tribes in, in India as a game for herself and as a miracle for humans. In this way, these tribes are presented as entities with a natural cause, despite being viewed by humans as wondrous. Similarly, Ilian presents in, in chapter 1.22 the ant's ability to calculate the days of the month as the wondrous gift of nature to them. Ilian, in this case, compares uh, the, the, the insect ability with the ability of the Babylonians and the Chaldeans who were praised for their knowledge of astronomy. These parallel views on the creativity of nature show common points with Aristotelian and Stoic ideas about the creativity of nature. 
For example, as, as we can see in the first uh, text uh, in this slide, Aristotle presents nature in his work on the heavens as a force which does not create anything without the planet. Similarly, Zeno of Kittium claimed that nature is a creative fire whose purpose is the, the generation of things. Although these authors do not make comments on the nature origin of wondrous events systematically, as they present many cases without any mention of their possible relation with nature, the examples that we have seen reveal uh, uh, that at least occasionally nature itself appears as an agent that generates wonder. Last but not least, wonder also relates to scientific curiosity and investigation in the two works. This aspect of wonder is probably a tool for the is, is uh, probably connected with the view that the examination of, of the wondrous events is a tool for the study of nature. This conception of wonder has its origins in Aristotle, who in the metaphysics expresses, as, as we can see in the beginning of this uh, uh, text, the idea that it is true wonder that men now begin and origin, originally began to philosophize. In a similar fashion, Pliny seems to declare in specific chapters of his work that wonders can show the power of nature. In this context, he claims, after his statement about the natural origin of the wondrous human tribes in India, this is the text we saw before, that he included whole races of mankind among the marvels of nature for the disclosure of the power of nature. Although Pliny does not make such statements systematically, this passage shows that for him, nature is the creator of wonders and at the same time, wonders can in turn lead to a better understanding of nature itself and its powers. This is a point on which he seems to differ from Ilian. As it could be discussed later, Ilian often claims that he will not try to explain nature, natural phenomena whose causes are secret, because, as he claims, this attempt would be futile. Thus, wonder does not seem to have a clearly scientific dimension in Ilian's conception of it. Returning to the cognitive process that underpin wonder, two conceptual principles seem to be central to how the two authors determine the wondrous characteristics of animals. First, they define as wondrous animals whose behavior or characteristics contradict to what is, to what is known about similar or analogous cases in nature. In this context, nature provides examples which define what is wondrous. For example, Pliny presents uh, in uh, his chapter 9.175, uh, Pliny presents with this method Theophrastus' testimony about the behavior and the appearance of a strange and wondrous fish in Babylon. As we can see, he claims that these fish 
lives in caverns that contain springs and goes out from them to feed, walking with its fins by means of a repeated movement of the tail. He adds that the head of this fish resembles that of a frog and the rest of its part a gobbish, though the gills are the same as the other species of fish. Pliny, following Theophrastus, describes the fish's strange appearance through the comparison with the appearance found usually in fish. Similarly, Ilian describes the strange and paradoxical ability of the bird merops to fly backwards through the comparison with the fact that all known birds fly onwards. Thus, in this, uh, uh, thus he states in uh, chapter 1.49 uh, that this bird flies opposite to the other birds. We can see this uh, statement in the underlined part of the text. Uh, the, both authors uh, use this method also to, to, to define wondrous phenomena due, uh, through the comparison with known phenomena. Uh, and they use the same uh, method. Pliny points out in chapter 10.76 10, uh, the wondrous phenomenon of the death of animal when they move from one place to another. The starting point for this comparison is the presentation of the strange opinion that the owls die when they travel to Crete from, an, uh, from another place. Pliny points out at first that it is usual for animals not to be born in a specific place. We can see this in, a, in the Latin text, non nasci tralaticium. And he implies with this comment that this event does not need to be explained as it is usually observed in nature. The presentation of this event as usual stems from his statement in chapter 8.225. There, he described cases of the absence of animals from specific places, and he claimed, as you can see in the second uh, text I, I present this slide, that that, that nature is the factor which is responsible both for the, the fact that some animals live and that they are not born in specific places. Thus, he has presented it as an event with a natural origin. Then, he claims that it is remarkable for animals to die when they move to a specific place. Invecta mori mirum. Ilian also uses this method to point out the wondrous birth of the winged creatures called fireflies, which are born in the fire. He notes that the birth of animals in the mountain, in the air, and in the water is not a marvelous event. Thauma opumega in the Greek text, since their reasons are material, food, and nature implying with this uh, statement that this event is caused by non-reasons. Then he claims that the birth of the, of the winged creatures fireflies in the fire, fire is a surprising event, to, toto eclipticon, and he implies 
that the latter case is wondrous as it differs from the usual ways animals are born. Secondly, both authors designate as wondrous animals or events whose, ability, uh, whose abilities, behavior, and actions cannot be attributed to clear and understandable reasons or motives. Uh, Pliny mentions in specific chapters facts concerning some animals' abilities which are not comprehensible. An example is how he presents wonder about the dolphin's ability to hear. He claims that it is remarkable how the dolphins hear. We can see this uh, statement in, in the Latin text, quanam aundiat mirum. And he points out human confusion about this with the mention of, of antithetical examples. On the one hand, he states that the dolphins and the catelogeneous species do not have any organ in the position of the ears, contrary to the calves and the vipers, which have holes in, the, in that place. On the other hand, he suggests that, that it is obvious that the dolphins obviously hear audire manifestum est because they are tempted by music and they are caught if they are confused by sound. In this way, Pliny underlines that human wonder about the dolphin's ability is caused by our inability to understand how the absence of obvious organs of hearing can be connected with the dolphin's response to sound. Ilian highlights the hidden causes behind such phenomena with the use of the adjective aporetos. This term has the meaning secret and Ilian uses it to highlight facts and causes in nature which cannot be described by humans and which remain secret to them due to their inability to understand them. This idea can be found already in authors such as Theophrastus, and probably later than Ilian in Ipsedo Alexander of Aphrodisias. As you can uh, see in this uh, fragment of Theophrastus presented in uh, this slide, Theophrastus mention that mentions that there are animal actions which cannot, be which cannot be attributed to a specific cause. And he brings as an example Of these, event, of these actions, the hen's action to cover, the, uh, to cover itself with chaff after laying an egg. Pseudo Alexander, in his classification of problems in the proem of the medical puzzles and natural problems, describes such problems as insoluble, and he claims that they are known only to God who laid down their substance. He also adds that the authors who try to solve the insoluble problems propose heaps of solutions, solutions to them, which are moreover endless and improbable. Ilian's approach is similar to that of Pseudo Alexander. He declares in two cases that he will not try to explain the secret natural phenomena as attempted to find their causes 
would be futile. An example of that is his presentation, can be found in the presentation of the Memnonian birds. These birds travel to Troy in order to fight each other in front of the Trojan tomb, the, the tomb of the Trojan hero, Memnon. He states that he has no leisure to speculate nor to track down the secret phenomena of nature. And he notes that the secret phenomenon, which cannot be easily explained in this case, is the reason why the Memnonian birds fight each other. In chapter 8.28, he repeats that it is not his business to explore the secret phenomena of nature, such as the lion's fear of the rooster, the basilisk fear of the rooster, and the elephant's fear of the pigs. He justifies his idea by claiming that those who have leisure to spend in seeking the reasons for, for these things will take no account of time and they will never come to the end of their researches. In this instance, Ilian condemns anonymous authors who try to explain such phenomena and to find their causes to no effect. Although these authors cannot be easily identified, it is clear that Ilian strongly distances himself as an author, as an author from them. Plutarch's arguments in, in, the, work, in the work on being a on being a busybody, provide additional context for Ilian's notion of secret, natural, uh, secret animal nature. In chapter 517d, as you can see in the text in the slide, he includes meteorological phenomena, such as the changes in the shape of the moon in the category of secret natural problems. What is important is that uh, Plutarch uses the, the, the same term as Ilian did to describe the, this difficult uh, natural phenomena, as he uses the, the term aporita fissios. Plutarch's approach is, however, quite different from Ilian's. His goal in this treatise is to teach his reader to avoid being curious about the affairs of other people. In this context, the study of secret phenomena is mentioned as a positive activity and a positive example of curiosity, as he proposes to his reader to use his curiosity to study these problems rather than gossip his uh, uh, acquaintances. Uh, I could try to, to, to say that uh, the, the, there are also, uh, that Ilian uses also the, the term uh, due to secret or causes natural law, cause or thought, and uh, these uh, phrases are used to denote uh, animal actions or behaviors caused due to non-understandable motives, thoughts uh, to, to humans. And uh, these uh, uh, phrases are uh, Ilian's comment on the wondrous and strange character of cases uh, he presents. An example of that is uh, the, the use he uses, he, 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 he tries to, to to comment Aristotle's strange ability about, about the impregnation uh, of the, the female paltages. Uh, here we have a, an, uh, an example of a, a spontaneous generation, and, uh, and Ilian tries to, to comment on the strange uh, uh, content of Aristotle's uh, opinion with the phrase, 
by some mysterious pro process of nature. And this is his comment to the strange comment of uh, content of Aristotle's notion about uh, the, the impregnation of female padres by, by the male uh, bird without uh, any, an easy explanation. So I will try to, to, to make some conclusions, to, to draw some conclusions. First of all, Gondel has a cognitive and emotional character in both authors. As I showed, showed, its cognitive aspect is connected with the fact that the Gondel's events are described through the comparison with usual and known phenomena. Also, the emotional aspect is pointed out through the use of phrases which denote the need to, to express astonishment about the content of specific Gondel stories. Also, uh, nature uh, is presented in some cases as the creator of Gondel's phenomena. And at the same time, uh, nature is a is the source to, uh, which can uh, be used uh, to, to define uh, Gondor's phenomena, and uh, at the same time, at the same time, it's a source of Gondor itself, as it offers as it offers phenomena which remain un unintelligible to humans due to their inability to understand them. Uh, I would I would like also to to to, to show that to 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 claim that. Uh, all these different approaches to Gondor uh, were, were developed in the context of the Roman Empire. As, as we saw in the, at the beginning, the, the, world, the world of Rome brings contact with new exotic species and also enables access, access to a wide range of written knowledge on, on animals from the early literature. And this uh, facts creates plenient aliens uh, no, notion on, on, on nature and uh, uh, in specific. Thank you very much. Thanks for listening to this podcast from Antiquity and the Anthropocene. To access more podcasts from the workshop, check out the Humanities Institute's podcast channels on Apple, SoundCloud, and on Spotify.